0: om sahana bhavatu sahana punaktu sahviryam karbhavahai tejasvinavati tamastamave vishavahai om shanti 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 Welcome everyone, today's class. Are there any questions from anyone before we begin? On the last chapter. I'm gonna summarize it now anyway. Okay. So has everyone settled down then? We can begin. That depends, uh, wants to come in. Okay. So, something I'd like to say, all of you are very fortunate. If I say, all of you are very fortunate, do you you know why? All of you are very fortunate.
1: because we have the opportunity to study Vedanta.
0: Very good, Shashi, thank you. Fortunate enough to not only come across this knowledge, people come across this knowledge, but to be able to relate to it, have an interest in it, appreciate the value of the subject. This great knowledge that has been passed down by these great sages, our ancestors for thousands of years Very few people have this opportunity. It can only happen to people who have reached a certain stage in their life cycle. Only after gaining so much punya over many lives you get to this stage. I'm not trying to impress you in any way saying you're special or anything, but the point I'm trying to make is that this knowledge is now available to you. Don't waste this opportunity. That's the point here. Put in the right effort so that you can make use of it. To change your own life for the better. So you can fulfill your purpose as a human being. People come across this subject and they have no identification with it. That's why there aren't that many people in these classes. Very few people identify with it. So, through these classes, through gaining this knowledge, you now have some idea, some understanding of the purpose of life. We have a conviction, a belief, there's something in the subject. What these sages are saying, maybe there's something in it, let me explore. So you decide to go on this journey, to fulfill this purpose. So what is this journey? Where does it lead to? This is an introduction to this chapter, by the way. Where does it lead to? So far, we've covered in this book what life is all about, what this world is, what a human being is. You've now reduced your desires. you practice the free yogas. Now your mind is free from agitations. The desires have lost their power on you. No longer drawing you to the world to fulfill them. You have a disinterested interest in the world. The mind is now calm. The mind is ready for you to practice the art of meditation. So, this is what we covered last class. Art of practicing meditation. You need to make sure the environment you choose to meditate is a quiet environment. You not choose a quiet time. There will be less disturbances, sattvic time. 4 to 6 a.m., most conducive for meditation. Ideal position to meditate. Sit cross-legged, form a maximum base on the floor, chair, cushion. Relax the mind by regulating your breathing. By the practice of pranayama, breathing technique. The mind likes to wander, wander away to other thoughts. If that happens, then let the intellect be aware. Let the intellect monitor the mind. If a thought arises, let the intellect dismiss it gently. Now you start chanting the chosen mantra, Om, or whichever mantra you decide. While you are chanting the mantra, the intellect observes the chant, and the silence that follows. It makes sure there's a single thought flow. Any other thought comes in the mind, the intellect gently dismisses it. You may use a rosary bead, Mara, to help you to focus on the mantra. Keep the mind from digressing to other thoughts. Must meditate daily, practice regularly if you can. With regular, med- with regular practice, you go deeper and deeper until the silence of meditation, all your thoughts, desires, and vasanas become extinct. In this state of thoughtlessness, desirelessness, The self reveals itself. You reach the fourth state, duria, the state of self-realization. Beyond the three states of deep sleep, dream and waking state, lies your true state, your true personality, your true being. You no longer identify with your individuality. It merges with the all-pervading reality. You become Brahman. You become one with God. In this state, to experience the highest level of pleasure the body can feel. The ultimate happiness and bliss that the mind can feel. The highest, subtlest knowledge that the intellect can experience. This is spiritual enlightenment. After this experience, you still conduct yourself as a normal human being. But within, you're like a witness to life. No longer affected by anything going on in the the world. You know the truth. You've experienced the truth, no one can take it away from you. You Become a source of peace and bliss to all around you. It is every human being's entitlement, destiny, that he reaches this state. Any questions? So, now you have reached this state. All of you have reached this state. How do you conduct yourself in this world? What does it mean to reach this state? This now brings us to this next chapter. So, before we start this chapter, you have to understand one thing. This fourth state. Of consciousness, this fourth state we're talking about is something that we as a waker cannot understand. We are all at the moment a waker experiencing the waking world. We cannot understand this fourth state. However, in this chapter, the state of self realization, some ideas are given of what that state can be like. Don't take it as an exact description. It's an idea. How would that state be? How will I change after I reach that state? We as humans all go through three states of consciousness. Right now we are all the waker, experiencing the waking state. Tonight, you will go to the dream state, experience the dream world. And then in the deep sleep state, experiencing nothing. Just as a dreamer cannot understand what the waking state can be like, we as a waker cannot understand what the fourth state is like. So just take it as an inspiration of what a perfect human being can be like. So it's important that you understand that before we embark on it. Don't take it as literally. Is that okay everyone? Any clarifications before we begin? Okay. Migna.
2: State of Self Realization. Self Realized Person. A self realized person is one who has discovered his Godhead, realized the Supreme Self, Atman, attained that divine state by shedding all his vastness, thoughts, desires. He no longer identifies with his physical body, mind, and intellect. Consequently, becomes free from the persecution of action and perception, emotion and thought, transcends the limitation of the waking, dreaming, dream, and deep sleep states to merge with the limitless reality. Spiritually enlightened, he becomes omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent.
1: So he's saying
0: a self-realized person who is one is one who has realized supreme self, Atman. One who has removed his vastness, his desires, gone beyond the three states of consciousness. So after meditation, as we said, you transcend to the fourth state. That's the purpose of meditation. Mentioned in the introduction, you become one with the reality You no longer identify with this, your personality, this, your body, your mind, your intellect. There's no more identification with that. Nothing affects you anymore, physically, emotionally, or intellectually. Someone says something to you, you're not bothered. Brexit, deal or no deal, you're not bothered. Meaning internally, you're not affected. This is the world. You're no longer affected by what goes on in the waking, dream or deep sleep states. You've transcended that. You become omniscient. Meaning all-knowing. Omnipresent. All-pervading. You identify with that all-pervading self. Brahman, Omnipotent. All powerful. Powerful meaning you now understand everything that needs to be understood about life. Not powerful meaning you can do some magic or something. A watch appears in your hand. Not that kind of powerful we're talking about. You have the knowledge of life. All that is to be known, you know. Any questions? Paragraph two,
2: A human being is constituted of the pure consciousness, combined with the gross, subtle and causal bodies. The consciousness functioning through these bodies becomes the waker, dreamer and deep sleeper respectively. The waking, dream and deep sleep are the three conditioned states of consciousness. Your entire life is restricted to these states. At any time of your life, you assume only one of the three personalities. When you enter the waking state, you assume the personality of the waker. The waker experiences the waking world alone and rejects the dream and deep sleep states. So do the dreamer and deep sleeper experience their respective states and reject the other two. Each state, if each state exists only for the respective personality experiencing it, who alone attributes a reality to it, but not the other two personalities. Hence, one has a relative reality.
0: So saying pure consciousness, for example, okay, so I'm gonna explain this now. If, please make sure you understand if you don't, please, Raise your hand and just ask. So a human being is constituted of pure consciousness. What is this pure consciousness? What is this pure consciousness? What do we say? What do we say this pure consciousness is?
3: Is it the
0: Atman? Atman, yeah. Atman, Self, Brahman, God. This is the label we've given this pure mass of consciousness. So pure consciousness, plus the gross, subtle, and causal bodies becomes the waker. I'll go into more detail. Pure consciousness plus the gross, subtle, and causal bodies becomes the waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper. These are conditioned consciousness. This is the conditioned consciousness. Is everyone familiar with the term gross, subtle and causal bodies? We studied it in chapter 11. Anyone not familiar with it? And we can go over it. Benita? Yeah, that's okay. Well, no harm in going over it. So gross, subtle and causal bodies. This is who we are. We are made up of these three bodies. The causal body is your vastness From the Vāsānas which forms the individual personality. So the state of vastness is called causal body. These vastness then manifest into the subtle body which is made up of thoughts and emotions, desires. Imagine three levels you are made up of. Causal body, the vas- state of Vāsānas. Subtle body, mind and intellect, desires. And then that manifests into the gross body, which we all understand is this body, physical body. This body that perceives and acts. So Atman, conditioned by these three bodies, is us. A human being. Your actions, your behavior, will depend on the nature of your subtle body, your causal body, your vastmas, desires. This is who you are. This is our entire life. We go through these three states. So deep sleep state is subtle body is not there, gross body is not there, says the causal body, state of vastness, dormant vastness, you're in deep sleep state, vastness manifest in your mind, dream state, waking state, you act on those vastness, waking state, We go through these three states until we die. And we only know the relevant state that we are in. When you wake up in the morning, you take the role of the waker. The waker takes this state to be real. He regards the other two states as unreal. Which states? Dream state, deep sleep state. The waker says, what are you talking about? I don't know these two states. I'm the waker. I know this waking world, nothing else. Tonight, when you go to bed, you take up the role of the dreamer. As a dreamer, you think only that state is real. You have no idea of the other two states. Where? In the dream. If in the dream, you're a poor person, hungry, begging in the street. Someone tells you, hey, you're not this starving beggar. You're actually a millionaire. You're someone else. You're dreaming. You're actually a waker. You'll say, what are you talking about? You mad fellow. at me. Just buy me a sandwich and a coffee. Where in the dream? No recollection of the waking world. In a deep sleep state, you are nobody. You have no recollection of any other state. So in each state, you reject the other two states. Each one has its own relative virtual reality, you can say. Please, Good job.
2: Um, So you know you said like when you're in each state you have no recollection of the other two states so yeah. what is that like when we dream like it's often very linked to what's happening in the waking state so like the people and the situations might be something that we've experienced in the waking state.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's your subconscious in the dream it's still your mind
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's um Present in the yeah. uh, I'm trying to think now, it's um, undigested thoughts from the waking world creates the dream. No. Broken thoughts, undigested, thoughts that appear sometimes out of the blue, which has no meaning. In the dream world, that's where they manifest. So there's some sort of connection. Is that okay, Mitchell? Yeah, thank you. Any other questions? You need This topic today needs a bit of thinking. That's why I said you need to exercise this brain cells in this class today. In each state, you reject the other two states. But there's one thing that connects everything. Right now, I ask you, I ask you, Ravi, how was your sleep? What will you say? It was good, peaceful. I had a really good sleep, yes? You may say, you know what? I also had a really bad dream. Someone was chasing me in the alleyway. I was really scared. Anyway, I'm awake now. It's okay. You rejected. In all different states, you have a different experience. In all three states, you say, I had a good sleep. I had a bad dream. I'm awake. So who is this I that experiences all these things? The I that's constant in all three experiences. I had a deep sleep. I had a really good sleep. I'm refreshed. I had a really good dream. I'm awake now. Who is this I? Who is this I? Shilabim, who is this I? That is always there in all your experiences. Any ideas? Who is this I you all you understand what I'm saying? You all agree with what I'm saying? You all yeah, you use that term I in all your experiences. No matter what state you're in. So anyone? Uh Dipa.
1: Is
0: the self. Consciousness. The pure consciousness that's there in all the states. So you're using this term I without knowing what the meaning is. You just We just say, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm awake. The self is always with you. You use this term all the time, but you have no idea you're using it. You yourself is using this term. Any clarifications on what I've just explained? Three states of consciousness. Does everyone understand three states of consciousness? It does need thinking. It does need thinking about reading then you, the penny hits, the penny drops,
2: like that. The consciousness runs through all the three states of waking, dream and deep sleep. Furthermore, the consciousness exists beyond the three states in its original purity, free from conditioning that Supreme Consciousness is eternal, all-pervading, infinite. The Self-Realised merges with the Consciousness, becomes one with the Absolute Reality.
0: So This I is the pure Consciousness. It's ever-present. I am the waker, I am the dreamer, I am the deep sleeper. So we call this the conditioned state of Consciousness. Right now, it is the conditioned state of consciousness. You are the waker. It's conditioned by your gross and subtle body for you to become the waker. Does anyone understand the meaning of conditioning? I'll give you an example. Pure water, conditioned by cola. Cola flavor becomes Pepsi. Water conditioned by cola flavor becomes Pepsi. Water conditioned by an orange flavor becomes Fanta. We take the flavor out, it becomes pure water. It's deconditioned. Yeah. So the I is conditioned by these three states to make the person that you are. Conditioned by the three states of waking, dream, and deep sleep to become the waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper. This is the conditioning. Your vastness conditions the I, the pure consciousness, to become the person you are. But just like pure water exists, the pure consciousness exists beyond the three states, free from the conditioning. So this self-realized person becomes one with that pure consciousness. Deconditions himself. This is the fourth state. Any clarifications on that? Do you understand the example with pure water and? So we do need to think about it, I mean I can only give you so much information, but ultimately you have to think about it and they absorb you.
1: Megna.
2: The consciousness is the substratum of the microcosm as well as the macrocosm, the centre around which both of them revolve. The microcosm and macrocosm merge with the eternal consciousness.
0: This microcosm, macrocosm, is just big words. They don't don't really mean, I'll explain to you what I mean. The consciousness, the pure consciousness, Atman, Brahman, is the foundation of all microcosm and macrocosm. Meaning there is only one consciousness. The consciousness in you is the same in me. The same in every one of us. Same in your friends. Same in your enemies. Same pure consciousness. Just like there is only one sun, but there are billions of reflections. Billions of reflections of the sun. Similarly, there's only one consciousness, billions of reflections of beings. So macrocosm means the reflection in all, taken as one. Microcosm means reflection in one individual. So if you say the self in me, that's the microcosm. If you say the self all-pervading everywhere in all beings, that's the macrocosm. That's what it means. Like we say, Atman. Individually, we say Atman. Totality, we say Brahman, same thing. You say Atman when it's an individual person, your Atman, to individualize it. But, con- but collectively we say Brahman. All the Atman's put together. So this individual consciousness, microcosm, Atman, becomes one with the pure consciousness. The microcosm merges with that totality, the macrocosm. When
1: you say
0: microcosm, it sounds like you're saying microcosm twice. No. Is, it, is there any clarifications there? So, give you some idea of understanding of what this state is like. Does makes make sense? If it's not clear, please ask, yeah? Don't be shy. Okay, so you've now merged with that macrocosm, with that all-pervading Brahman. So what's he like? Yeah, I don't know um, This is, he's
4: uh, is, uh, waking, dreaming, sleeping How do they fit? Are they separate with the subtle thoughts and the gross, so the gross intellect and the subtle intellect? How does it all fit together?
0: Intellect is one, the the ability for you to reason and think. You are made up of the physical body, which acts. Your mind, which has feelings, emotions, likes and dislikes. Then you have the intellect, your buddhi, which thinks, yeah, what to eat for lunch, how to cook, how to drive, all this thinking, what to do with you, whatever, your think any thinking is done by the intellect. When you're thinking in the world, using your gross intellect. When you're thinking beyond the world, more subtle, Brahman, Atman, God, who invented this world, where does the sun come from, you're thinking of that higher, that's the subtle intellect. Yeah? Is that okay? You know what I mean? Now, mm-hmm. your question is, where does this fit into this concept?
4: No, with the waking, dreaming, and sleeping. What oh. are these different things?
0: The, the, the subtle the, intellect is available to you when you are thinking beyond this world. And which state do you think beyond this world in the waking state?
4: Mm.
0: So you're Physical body, your emotions, mind, and the gross and subtle intellect available to you in the waking world. In the dream world, it's only your mind and a little bit of your intellect that's available to you. That's the subtle body. In deep sleep, it's only your You're only your vasanas, which is the causal body. We call it the causal body because causal means the cause of your personality, which is vasanas. So the vasanas is the cause of your personality. You are what your vasanas are. So it's called causal body. Which are just unmanifested vasanas. So there's no action, there's nothing. That's why you have a deep sleep. No agitations of the mind. No vasanas manifesting... No desires manifesting, nothing's manifesting. Oh, I had a good deep sleep. No agitations. Is that okay, Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: Does everyone understand? The question, is that clear? Any other clarifications? It's important that you understand this three states. Because if we didn't have these three states as example, we couldn't understand the fourth state at all. We would not be able to understand it. So a person has realized the self, what are the traits of this person now? He has merged with that totality His Intrinsic Being.
5: Ravi? His Intrinsic Being. A self-realized person has merged with the Supreme Reality. He manifests divine characteristics, displays exceptional power, bears universal love, possesses boundless knowledge, enjoys absolute self-sufficiency, revels in total fulfillment.
0: The traits of a person who has realized the self. You could be with this person, but you would not know the difference. Krishna was self-realized. Arjuna only regarded him as a friend. He didn't know he was self-realized. So you could be with someone who's self-realized and you would not know. These are his characteristics, his values. He may or may not use it. He shows universal love. Has endless knowledge. One minute. They are self-sufficient. Need nothing. So this is that person's trait. As I said, it's very difficult for us to understand them. Anyone know why? Meghna.
2: Do you have to sort of possess those yourself to be able to recognise
0: them? Very good, yes. We cannot recognise those qualities because we need to have those qualities. Winter, you had a question, is it, regarding what I've said just now?
1: I was just saying, like, if you were self-realised, would you recognise another self-realised person or not really?
0: Not necessarily. Not necessarily.
1: Is there a reason for that?
0: Because it's something that's inside, that manifests, but they may not manifest it. They will behave with a person based on how that person is. If he's your friend, he'll behave with his friend. If your husband became self he'll still behave with you like he's your husband. Because he knows how to behave with each individual people. He has that knowledge. So it's difficult for us to identify with these qualities because, as Meghna said, we need to have them ourselves. Unless we appreciate these qualities, unless we have some of these qualities ourselves, how can we understand them? So I've got some examples for you. How can you understand the greatness of Sachin Tendulkar when he plays cricket, unless you play cricket? Unless you understand the game of cricket, how can you appreciate what a great cricket player he is? This guy's hitting a bat with a ball. Okay, what is that number? 120 That's That'll be your idea of Sachin Tantuga. How would you know the work of Albert Einstein, unless you understand science? What is this? E equals mc squared. What does that mean? Nothing, it means nothing to us. But in science, that was like, wow, amazing. What a revelation, what a discovery. How would we know how great a poet is if we have no understanding of poetry? need to have certain qualities to understand. Chopin wrote great pieces of classical music for the piano. How could we appreciate this if we have no interest in classical music? I'll give you a secret. I listen to Chopin before every class. Fixed pieces that I listen to before every class puts me in that state. I remember myself and Sittle went to the Vatican. True this. yeah, we went to the Vatican. And whoever's been to Vatican, they know, you go through this one entrance and you follow in one direction and with the flow of the people, and then you come to the end of of the, um, the passageway. And on the way, we see these great sculptures, paintings, and you know, they're really nice. So we're looking out for this painting you know, the most famous one, Michelangelo. It's on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. The creation of Adam is called. God is touching the finger. You all know the one, the finger of Adam to create man. So we went through the chapel looking for it. And before we knew it, we, we got to the end. And this is the way out. And I said to the, ask the one there, hey, where is that famous painting, the Michelangelo? where the God touches the finger of Adam. And he says, you've passed it, you've missed it. It was in that long room. I said, really? I never saw it. Look, you have to go there, stand in a particular place and look in a certain direction, he said, and you'll see it. So even though we weren't allowed, we went back, going against the flow of the people until we got back to the Sistine Chapel and then we saw the painting on the ceiling. So we gazed up, we admired it for a few minutes, and then we went back to the exit. We've seen it now. Now, some people sit there for hours looking at the ceiling, mesmerized in aura of the paintings of Michelangelo. Michelangelo is regarded as one of the greatest painters. If you have no idea about paintings, but what is good? How can you appreciate the beauty of his work? You go to Paris, you see the picture of Mona Lisa. What's the big deal? It's a picture of a woman. She's not even smiling. Millions of people are going to see it. If you are an appreciative of art, how can you understand the beauty of the Mona Lisa? You need to possess the quality. I'm a relatively clean person, but it's only after I married settle I realized the true quality of cleanliness. I still struggle these days, some days. You have to have that quality. See the point I'm trying to make here with all these examples? How can you re- understand a realized person unless you have some of these qualities? So the point is that we're gonna go through some of these characteristics in more detail, but it's difficult for us to understand completely the gravity of what it means. We'll have some idea. For example, he's talking about his power Next topic, universal love. A self-realized person has universal love. How can someone understand this quality when they don't even get on with their neighbor? How can you understand universal love? Any questions? the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Excuse me. I think I'm gonna to be told off.
1: Um so you talked about different qualities in the waking state that we have mm-hmm. which are propelled I'm assuming by our business. Bit, bit louder, yeah. So is there a um, qualities different qualities so the the qualities we're going to talk about is qualities of a self-realized person Mm -hmm. but for example you gave the quality of cleanliness Mm -hmm. there's levels of cleanliness isn't there in the waking state is there levels of self-realization or it's just one level but that person has different qualities if that makes sense i don't know
0: Okay, so what Sills I think, is asking is, once you reach that state, is it that everyone has the same outlook to life, a self-realized person? To a certain extent, yes, but without going into too much detail, they still have vasanas. Even though they've dissolved all their vasanas, they still have vasanas because that's why they're still alive as a self-realized person, you see? So... As a person, they will still have vasanas that need to be exhausted. Now, I'm not going to go into detail of, well, if you self-realize, how come you still got vasanas? Because the opposite is, if you self-realize, you die. And that doesn't happen. Just because he's exhausted all his vasanas, that doesn't mean he's dead. There are still vasanas there. But we'll go that into more detail. It's in another chapter. But for right now, just accept the fact that a person becomes self-realized, but he still is living in the world. Does everyone understand what, what I'm trying to say? Vivasnas mean, State of self-realization means no more desires, no more vastness. Yeah? But then if you have no vastness, then that means you can't, you can't live. You, you can't act. You only act based on your vastness. If you have none, then how can you be alive? So we're saying that when you reach that state, there are still vasanas there, but we'll talk about it on another, t- another topic. Is that okay? Yeah,
1: Nilam. Yeah. Okay. I was just gonna say, is it more that um, they're not controlled by their vasanas or are the effect of their vasanas like a non-Saturalized person?
0: They're not affected by them. Okay. They understand I've got to go through whatever Vasnas I have. He just follows them and lets them exhaust them. They don't create any new ones. Yeah, but there's another chapter altogether. We'll, we'll talk about that in another chapter. Any other questions? Okay. So we'll take up the first quality, his power. Power is unselfish. Uh, Robert, can you read the first paragraph?
5: His power. Selfish activity has limited power. If you work with ego and egocentric desires, if your actions are directed towards personal gains, your work becomes limited. Lacks efficiency, dynamism. Drop your selfishness, renounce your egotistic tendency, pitch up a higher goal in life, a nobler cause, an ideal beyond your self centered interests. Let your activities be directed to the set ideal. Let your work turn impersonal. Your actions then become efficient, dynamic. They produce results. You command power, strength.
0: Selfishness, completely selfless. No ego. If you work with a selfish motive, you have limited power. You redrop drop your ego, self-centered desires. You work towards a higher ideal in life. Your actions become more dynamic efficient it can achieve anything you command power so there's a parable about power a story in the Puranas in our ancient text so when you have power what do you do with power see we have a little bit of power you know we you know who you're talking to you know who I am you abuse your power. Just a little bit of power. We make sure we use it. So there's this parable. There's the story of this parable that Swamiji told, recited to us. story of a girl. She's dedicated to the Guru. They're in the jungle. There's a Guruji and a young girl. And she's dedicated her whole life to the Guru. You The Guru is an older person, Swami. In those days, you know, um, you would get married. So she married this old Swami, just so that she can forget about that Vasna. She can then dedicate herself to that life. Swami was old, she's young and beautiful. So one day she goes to fetch water from the lake, takes her um, utensil and goes to the lake. And while she's filling water, A prince for the locals of the state is riding on his horse. And he sees her, he sees her beauty. And while sitting on the horse, he says to her, whoever you are, I wish to make you my wife. I'm the prince of the state. You will become the future queen. The girl does not look at him and starts walking away. The prince said, Where are you going? Marry me. She said, I'm already married. Doesn't matter. I'm the prince. Marry me. So the girl starts walking away, but the prince follows her, determines to win her over. The girl drops her pitcher, starts running into the jungle. The prince follows behind her. Eventually, the girl, exhausted, faints and drops to the ground. The prince get off, gets off his horse, bows down, holds her, turns her over. She's got her eyes closed. He gets some water, sprinkles on her face. She opens her eyes. Instantly, the prince turns to ashes. power she had. She ran away not to save herself, but to save the prince. She did not want to abuse the power. So that's power. You have the power, but you don't use it. Unselfish. You're thinking of others. What do we do? You know who I am? I am the head of this organization. Drop your ego, self-centered desires become dynamic. You command power. See let's read the last paragraph and then
5: we can stop. Let an employee approach his employer for a personal favour. With a selfish desire to fulfil, he hesitates, falters, fumbles. He lacks strength to put forth his case. Let the same person take up a common cause to serve the interest of his fellow employees. He then approaches the boss with a higher purpose. With no personal motive in it, his impersonal attitude provides him courage and strength. His action becomes powerful, his effort fruitful. Apply this principle in life. Annihilate your ego, get rid of your little self. You gain power and strength. Your activity assumes infinite proportions. That determines the power of a self-realized person. In the invocation, to the Gita, a verse describes the power of the spiritually evolved. It makes a mute speak, a lame scale mountains.
0: In the 70s, 80s, we had the unions. How much power do the unions have? How many strikes we were having? That's the power of an individual when he has a collective ideal, unselfish, the good of thousands of people. The boss has to bow down. Listen, you go there for your own selfish motive. So, I need a rise. I need an extra week off. You don't have the same power. You go there. You're worried. You're thinking about it. How will he react? What will he say? You go there collectively for all your workers. Different state, different power. So this is a self-realized power, person, who, the power that he has, he commands. Next week, we'll look at, look at his love, his knowledge, self-sufficiency, etc. Any questions? So a lot to think about. It's not difficult, but the the issue is that we're trying to think beyond beyond this waking world. We're thinking beyond this waking world. We're thinking what can it be like to reach that fourth state? It's an unknown in, it's an unknown to us. Intellect struggles to think beyond, and that's why it makes it difficult. We have to crank up ourselves to think further. And the best time to do it is in the morning. So we'll stop there. It's a lot to take in. So, if there's any general clarifications, questions, or what we've covered, if you need to meet to explain anything again, I'm happy to do so. Nilam, okay? Partiban? Amina bin. Good. Okay. Well, Cyril's got a question.
1: Do you think there's a natural cause and effect whereby we might? So it seems like to become self-realized we may never get there in our lifetime. However, the natural cause and effect would be that if we become more unselfish or think of our, not just reducing our desires, but think of how we're behaving and what we're doing, then the idea is, is that the cause and effect will take care of itself and Because we can spend our time worrying about I'm not like this and I'm not like that with every Mm. um, example that you give of a self-realized person and actually just keep worrying and think, why am I not like that? Mm -hmm. Or we can sit and think, I'm not like that, but actually let me work on what I can work on Mm -hmm. working selflessly or being unselfish and building things, then the cause and effect will take care of itself, I'm assuming, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So these are ideas and thoughts of how a self-realized person can be. Now, as we said in the beginning, these are certain qualities that, that are there. Now, you should not compare yourself to that, but strive towards That region in the sense the scriptures teach us how to become unselfish, how to practice um, humility, how to practice love, how you know, love for all beings. All these things are taught to us in the scriptures. So by following these ideas, we automatically become, have become developed in that field. We develop these qualities. You, you, you develop these qualities as you study this subject. And you have to be active, proactive in developing these qualities. They don't happen automatically. Universal love. You can't start practicing after we finish this class. You have to develop those qualities. Next week, I'll show you a circle of identification. It gives you ideas of how you can expand that love to all beings it's gradual where are you where are you at the moment you don't even identify with your neighbor how can you grow universal love you have to start from where you are you may love your community you might love your love your family your community your family your friends so that's where you're starting from so what state are you at right now and that would be, be, be down to the individual but. As you start practicing, as you start developing, automatically, as Sil said, cause and effect will take place. You watch um, horror movies, gangster movies, mafia movies. The effect will be that you'll be thinking in that way. You watch spiritual movies, you watch... Unless you're objective, Kevl, don't worry. Unless you're objective, yeah? <laughs> you watch <laughs> nice movies, you know, spiritual movies. and so Automatically, you'll be thinking in that way. If you let it affect you, you'll, you'll be affected. But if you're objective, then you're okay. So you have to develop yourself. Develop the objectivity. With this knowledge, you can do that. Okay. Just, just a follow on question. So um, when Chitul Mami said that uh, sort of we might not, or we probably won't achieve realization in this life, and it's obviously is a an ongoing process. Um, in our future lives do we start back sort of at like level zero and then start working our way up or do we sort of we in 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 these lives we've built some sort of you know vastness for spirituality and we've sort of um you know making some progress um when we come back in a in a future life do we start at that point or do we go back to you know zero and then try and the only thing you take away with you when you pass this life and take on your next life is this knowledge this spiritual knowledge hmm? mind and intellect what you are doing right now this knowledge you take with you so you don't start from zero see the fact as i said in the beginning of the class in the intro- introduction you are here at this stage taking in this knowledge. You're very fortunate, I said, because whatever punya you did in the past has brought you to this knowledge. So you already are present here taking in this knowledge. A lot of people aren't because they're not prepared. They're not ready for it here. We're not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but in the life cycle, this is where they are. I didn't come across this subject until I was 45, I think. You guys are much younger than me. Yeah? So you take that with you in the next life. If you carry on with it, if you suddenly devolve, watch too many gangster movies, you don't know. <laughs> you might come back as a gangster in the next life. <laughs> but even.
2: But does that mean that in your next life, is it available to you straight away? Or is there certain events that would have to take place for it to be available to you?
0: It's a difficult question to answer. Because it's different for different people. A child prodigy, three years old, starts playing the piano, music that he hasn't even heard. Where did he get that from? Where did he, where did he learn that from? No one's taught him. You start playing a tune. Where did you learn that from? You with me? So we don't know when it's gonna be available to you. It'll be available to you when you're ready for it. But when it is available to you, it will take, it will carry on from where you left off. Does that make sense? You won't be starting from scratch. You may have to go through certain experiences before you come to that stage. See, the strongest vasana first is manifests. So, if your vasana for self-realization was the strongest when you passed away, then that would manifest earlier. If you had a stronger vasana beyond more than that, then that would manifest first for exhaustion. In the next life. That's why it's different for different people. How strong is that desire? Is that right,
3: <laughs> So it's, so in the next life, after what we've, the knowledge we've gained now, this is how I feel and I don't know how others will uh, relate to it. It's we are slowly, slowly drawn to it. It's like a magnet. The, the the energy is there and it will it will attract you so that small attraction comes somehow and then you draw more closer to it. So I think that's how we manifest our, our vastness because I don't know what I did in my previous life or who I was, but when I came into this life and then once you start questioning, a lot of things, and you don't know. Like you know, you you're living in a in a family or your area that nobody's interested in something, and you are drawn to to that interest. Your your thoughts manifest in that direction, and slowly, slowly, you develop it even more. You question it more, and 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 you're just drawn to it. This is what I feel because a lot of uh, things that we have as hobbies or likes and dislikes. Uh, what we've continued doing in our previous lives, maybe, and we're just improving it further and further.
0: So, as we said to Batiban, uh, whatever vastness you have in this life, which aren't exhausted and they are still have a lot of strength, they will manifest in the next life in the order of their strength, or in the order of how powerful they are that needs manifesting. So, in this life, for example. Some of you here are in your early 30s, some of you are in your 40s, some of you are in your 50s, yeah And then you've come to this knowledge. Yes. So depending on the strength from the last life, that's when it manifests. If I came to you, Bhatti Ben, when you were 20, and I said, "Come, I've got this subject, I'm going to teach you. Come and listen. You'll be saying, "What's this nonsense?" Yeah? You hit 35, something happens. You hear the same subject again, and you think, wow, this is amazing. You weren't ready for it when you were young. You're ready for it now. So it comes to individuals when they're ready for it. It knocks on their door. You're ready for it, you'll take it. If you're not, you won't. That's why you cannot let make anyone come to this class. You cannot make anyone understand this subject unless they're ready. Any other questions? So that's why initially I said you guys are fortunate because you are identifying with this subject. That's that's why I said it. So you know, most a lot of people aren't. Could be your own family members. If they're not ready, they're not ready. Because their vastness are different man. Right? Maybe the vast are different. You can't let everyone experience the beauty of Michelangelo's painting. Some see it, some don't. Okay. There's no other questions. Just somebody you okay? Very quiet today.
1: No more? I was just thinking- when I was like 18, 19, I was questioning all of these things. I just feel like it's a shame that this knowledge wasn't around for me at that time. But, like you say,
0: you get it when you're ready. It was around. <coughs> but you, but I ready for it.
1: <laughs> you have to go through certain stages. Yeah.
0: You have to go through certain stages. If it was given to you, you wouldn't recognize it, you wouldn't understand the. Um, Gravity of it. You know, the value of it. You wouldn't understand. You have to understand the value of it. Which you'll only do when you're ready. This is the point we're making. So when you've come to this stage, don't waste it. This is the point I made in the beginning. Don't waste it. Go as far as you can. Develop as much as you can.
4: Sorry, can I ask a question? Yes, yes. So, and I thought about this and I thought how lucky the younger people are in this group who've come to this much sooner and earlier in their life. So hopefully their life in you know, as they go along will be a lot, in a sense, of an easier journey. Um, but then does that mean that that person is also uh, closer to self-realization than someone who might have come older to this in their life?
0: Certainly. It depends on the strength of that vasana. See, um, I'll give you an example. Um, in the ashram, we have many people there, youngsters, from all walks of life, from all over the world. And so says when you finish this course, and you go out in the world, if you don't maintain that study, if you don't maintain um, reading and reflecting and contemplating in the mornings, the knowledge slowly will go away. You lose it, you get involved in the world, you lose it. And I know um, a couple of people who have been on this course, and now if you ask them, they can't remember any of it because they haven't maintained it. So you have to keep striving, developing, you have to keep maintaining it, put in the effort. So it doesn't matter the fact that you received it, you have to strive to maintain it, develop it. You put in more effort than the youngsters, then there's no reason why you wouldn't develop faster than them. You you with me? Depends on the effort. It can take as long as... What's the quote? Okay, it can take as long as many lifetimes we can take as long as a needle it takes the time for a needle to go for a rose petal that's the quote that's how long it can take for a person to become suffer depends where you are what state you're in how much effort you put in last lifetime this lifetime that's the difference so don't gauge by who's in the class who's young who's old is irrelevant It's all based on where you are in your life cycle and how much effort you put in. And the vastness which you carry, it's all dependent on those things, those factors. So everyone's journey is their own. You have to start from where you, what you are, where you are in life. And remember, Keep going. One day you'll get there. That's the faith you have to have. But the journey is wonderful. So don't worry about the result. Just enjoy the journey. Is that okay, everyone? Any other questions? So think about it. What has been said. Try and study in the morning and um, yeah,
3: 11. uh, You were talking of the classical piece you listen to in the morning before you start the class. Uh, would you be happy to share it with us? So even if, because if you're in a good state of uh, mind, maybe we all <laughs> become... Mind is
0: different from your minds. <laughs> Mind is different. <laughs> what stimulates my mind will be, I've studied two and a half hours in the morning for this class, now <laughs> then I listen to the music. Now if you're prepared to do that, then I'll give you the music. <laughs> so after that, I need a bit of, you know, <laughs> stim- mental stimulation. So therefore, what I'm saying is that I'm happy to share, there's no issues, but the effect it has would depend on your mind. Yeah, no problem.
4: <laughs> okay. Thank you.
0: All right. Okay, anybody else?
4: Any other questions? This is about compiling things, which we then all can use, what might help different people. But if we all put it together, there's uh, different pieces of music will do different, you know, bring out different things. But I think that's a good idea, actually. I'll have a little thing. (laughs)
0: No, there's actually, I discovered a piece of music and you you won't believe this. I mean, I discovered a piece of music, I, I bought an album. I forget the name of it it's a uh, violinist uh, Nicola Benedetti and I bought an album of her work only for one track the beginning, the first track and I used to listen to the first track and I used to put the CD away one day I was just relaxed and I let it run the third, fourth and fifth track I was listening to and it reminded me of the self Reminded me of Brahman. I've never heard it before. It's really weird music, and I thought, "Wow, this is incredible! This reminding me of the Self, Brahman. What is this? Who is this?" So I start reading on the in the um, back of the CD in the booklet. It was written by a priest, and it, and I was I was shocked when I read it. It said. To make you think of the self. Can you believe that? I was shocked. I was so emotional. And so, I don't know what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make here, but so these things happen when you're ready to happen, when it happens, you know? And, you know, I was in awe of the, the fact that I'd never discovered it before. It happens when you're ready, but it actually made me think of the self, my mind. And it's written for that. And I've never heard of anything like that written by a priest i'll have to dig it out somewhere so you know anything can help you any you don't know what can make you think of these things it depends on the state of your mind and the conditioning of your mind and that all depends on what you contact what stimulation you contact We're just touching the surface of this subject. (laughs) So I think I've said enough. We'll call it a day today. Thank you for joining us everyone.